thank you once again for being here. In John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. 21st chapter, we have the story that you are very familiar with as we get into it. It is a simple story, but I want to share it with you from a little different perspective tonight. Uh, we, know, uh, we know what it feels like if you've ever been hurt. I don't mean hurt like stumping your toe. That hurts. Amen? Or somebody hitting you at the front of your leg about halfway between your knee and your foot. That, that hurts, my friend. It really does. But I'm talking about an emotional hurt. That someone may have bruised you or hurt you. It's not necessarily a physical pain, but it can be just as deep. It might be a result of bruised feelings. Someone hurt your feelings, and, and in reality, they may not even know that they hurt your feelings. Or maybe they did hurt your feelings, and they did it on purpose. And you can't get around them because many times it's someone that we know, love, and trust who did that. It might be the brokenness of heart. You may have gone through divorce or death and grieving, and, and you think and say, what my life would have looked like had that event not taken place in my life. And you look and you find that there's brokenness of heart. You think, what am I going to do now? Or it might be emotional distress. You realize, as someone said just recently, based on these circumstances, half of our income is going to be gone. I don't know what I'm going to do and to meet our simple obligations with half of the income leaving our family. I have no idea what we're going to do. Now, I understand, you know, to say, well, God's going to take care of you. And we, we know that we say that, don't we? But still, still, when you go to do your checking account and say, boy, half of what we've been counting on, and these individuals don't live a, a, an extravagant life. It's just pay the house payment, pay the electricity, etc. It could be create an emotional distress. How are we going to manage that? The bottom line is, if you have hurt feelings, it's often because of some situation or someone. And it happens in the church, happens outside of the church. There was a widow who had rest in peace put on her husband's tombstone. And then as she went down to the attorney's office to read the will, she found out that old hubby, had willed her out of the will. He left her $10. She went back to the cemetery, engaged the tombstone people. She said, on my husband's tombstone, we had put rest in peace. I want to add something. What would you like to add? She said, I wanted to say rest in peace till I come. And then you're going to be in trouble when I get there. That's what happens when people have been hurt by others. In other words, it's like, I'll get, I'll get you one day. You just wait. I'm not saying a lot right now, but I'm, I'm holding back. Because one day I will get even. That spirit 
is certainly not of the Lord. How do you get better after experiencing hurt feelings and, and emotional pain? And our text reveals a very real important moment in the life of Peter. Who would ever think Peter would, would be hurt? This driven personality, this individual that often spoke first and then thought later. He has the strongest personality of all the disciples, but in our text, we find him struggling with hurt feelings, and it's right there in the Scripture. You see, just days before now, where our text is located, Peter denied knowing Jesus. Peter, of course, lived through his failed commitment to Jesus. He went out and he wept. We know that shortly after that, Jesus died. And then, of course, he rose from the dead, but he had not ascended yet to the heavenly Father. He was still going around and fellowshipping and meeting people and proving that he had life beyond death. And Jesus faces off with Peter, who's already wept through to repentance. So here's the question. Are hurt feelings justified. Would you say that with me? Are hurt feelings justified? Now, I might be talking to an audience that not one of you have ever had your feelings hurt, but I promise you everybody listening online has had their feelings hurt. Let's hit the text. Here it is, John 21, verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Listen, Peter was what? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. That moment that Peter has gone through the denial, many days before this, First opportunity, he sees the eyes of Jesus. Jesus sees the hurt in Peter and knows that some action has to take place to make Peter feel totally healed and whole. Are hurt feelings justified? The simple answer is yes. But hurt feelings are a result of often some emotional injury. If pain is not the enemy of our physical body, pain is positive. It means that something's wrong and, and you feel that pain, it suggests that something has happened physically to the body, then pain should not be an enemy to us emotionally. In other words, if our feelings get hurt, it breaks our heart. There is a pain that reverberates emotionally in our lives. And then we have the opportunity to be able to deal with it. There is no way, listen carefully, for a person to be sensitive to the needs of others and not be vulnerable to hurt. Let me say it again. There's no way for a person to be sensitive to the needs of others. I'm going to put myself out there for you. I'm going to build a relationship with you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to encourage you. But when I do, I make myself vulnerable to potentially be hurt. 
Well, as humans, every time we become vulnerable to someone else, we are exposing our feelings. So, so what do you do then? Most of the hurt we experience will come from someone that we love or care about, which makes it worse. I mean, they're, they're related to me. They're, they're part of my family. They're, they're the ones that I work with. They gave me a bad job review. They're the ones that, that's supposed to protect me, and, and they're the very ones that have hurt me. Try this on for size. Some people are so guarded with their feelings that they have no relationships or friends for fear of being hurt. I will not let you in. I will not open my arms. I will guard you away. Therefore, I will not have a sincere, bona fide relationship of friendship or friends. And Jesus taught that we are to have fellowship, sincere and honest fellowship, one with another. Why? Because it, it encourages other people. So are our feelings, hurt feelings justified? Yes. When we expose ourselves to others, I promise you, you and I are going to have hurt feelings. You see, Peter gave Jesus an open door in their relationship when he said, I will die for you. Remember before the crucifixion? I will not betray. I'll not deny. I will die for you. He exposed his heart and life to Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, I appreciate it. But in layman's terms, you don't know what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times. Wow. Peter could have had hurt feelings then, and no doubt he did. But he didn't have time to labor over it. Do you know why? It wasn't long that he heard that old rooster crow. And he knew that which... Jesus prophesied has happened. Here's another thought. What happens when hurt feelings remain? What do I do? John 21, 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Now, that was an indication that Peter had not totally dealt with his hurt. Because remember the text we read? When Jesus said, do you love me? The third time, Peter was hurt. One day, an old visitor leaned up against the fence where the old farmer was plowing. And he stood there and watched him. He was a neighboring farmer, and they farmed the land. And the farmer was plowing behind an old mule. I don't know about you, but I have plowed behind an old mule before. As a kid, just learning, hey, What's this like? And of course, you, before long, if you stay behind the mule long and you're in a furrow and you're plowing it up, you begin to walk like Chester on gun smoke because you got one foot on the ground here and another in the ditch and you're, you're doing that. But anyway, that the farmer plowing behind the mule would take the reins and pull them hard and jerk them hard and pull them again. And, and finally, the, finally, the neighboring farmer when he came back around at the end of the row, he said, hey, he said, you're laboring a lot over pulling those reins and, and the bit in the mouth of that mule is, wow, it's bleeding a little bit. You, you could do a lot better. 
if you just said two words, G and Hall. How many knew that? G, Hall, right, left. Right, left, G, Hall. The farmer took his big old handkerchief out, wiped his forehead and his face, and he said to his friend, the visiting farmer, listen to me. This old she-devil of a mule kicked me five years ago, and I made a vow that I would never speak to him again. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? A grudge is harder on the one who holds it than the one it's held against. How often do you walk around the person that may have harmed you? How often do you stand off when they're having a celebration for them? How long do you just not say a word? How long do you just shun them? How, how long do you do it until people begin to notice that breach? How long do you go to have to put up the walls that are there instead of letting it flow because your feelings were hurt? Holding on to that grudge is no way to deal with it. The sensitivity of Peter was manifested when Jesus appeared. Peter, do you love me? And he struck, instructed Peter to follow him. But there's more to the story in the Scripture, just down a little bit. Peter looked and saw John following and revealed his displeasure. Well, Jesus, you're taking me to task with John in this situation by saying, Hey, Lord, what about him? He was there. He didn't do everything right in that meeting that we had the Last Supper. What about him? You got anything you're going to say? You got anything you're going to say to him? When hurt feelings are left unattended and you just choose to decide to live with it and you just keep it in your heart and you hide it, and it begins to stop the flow of freedom and fellowship, you see, here's what happens. Bitterness creeps in. It doesn't creep in, creep in to some inanimate object. It creeps in to a person with feelings and emotions in your own heart. What happens? Resentment builds. Anger builds. What about him? Insecurities build. And unhealthy imaginations. I just wish you'd just get rid of them. They're no good in life. Every time I get near them, I can't stand it. And spiritual traps are embraced and become possessive. So let me give you just two or three little scriptural foundations. Job 5.2. Resentment kills a fool and envy slaps or slays the symbol, the simple. Job 36, 13, the godless in heart harbor resentment. The, the godless? And finally, Proverbs, the person who shuns the bitter moments of friends will be an outsider 
at their celebrations. You know that scripture is true. I can't stand to be around them. Well, how do we deal with the fact the Bible says, love your enemies? Love is an action word. You have to love your enemies. You have to understand one way or the other, I'm going to get rid of these feelings in my heart. You see, you and I can become difficult and indifferent with anyone. I have been around long enough to deal with, with, enough, with enough marriages that have broken up to where the two people, matter of fact, I married them. Oh, they're so in love. They're dripping with honeydew love. But after a period of years, they finally got divorced and then counseling with one or the other of them, they hate one another. They hate one another. Can't stand one another. The reality Become indifferent to anyone in any situation, any situation, or in fact, at any given time, it could just, just like that happen. You see, here's a good way to evaluate yourself, to say, well, I need to check up on me. Now, while I've been talking, I promise you, if you have these emotions in you with someone or something, you've already thought about who it is. Those of you online, you already have thought about who it is or who those individuals might be. But here's what you know. Here's how you evaluate if anyone or any situation you find yourself to be critical of them. Get a chance to talk, you're critical. Or you find fault in them. They may be doing their best. And here's what's so, just so sad. They may not even know that they offended you and created the hurt feelings. Or, or in fact, you cast stones toward them. And you know, that's not a part of what God created in us. Listen, if you have a happy, healthy relationship with someone that's friend and fellowship, rejoice in that and protect that relationship. Somebody say amen. It's true. It's true. You see, more than praising and find yourself, you find yourself being favorable, then, then you're in trouble when you, you resist all of that. And when you try to justify, you, you then trigger trouble that's greater than the resentment that you have in your heart. Peter was in a hot spot at the moment. Here is the son of the living God right before he ascends. And he's dealing with Peter. And when he saw John, he said, what, what about him? What about him? That's a sure sign of unresolved hurt feelings. John said, what do you mean? What, what, what about me? What did I do? Number three, how are hurt feelings healed? How are hurt feelings healed? You die. It's one sure, fast way to deal with hurt feelings. You die. Because if they die, it still doesn't resolve your hurt feelings. No, the answer is John 21, 22. Jesus answered, if I, I want him to remain alive until I return, he's talking about John. What is that to you? You must follow me. Peter, what is it to you what I do or what I say or what anybody else does? You have your own little bag of issues. 
So be careful. What is that to you? Well, and when someone tries to weigh in as another friend to help you see a different perspective about possibly someone or some situation that's hurt you, buddy, you push them off big time. You don't understand. You don't see it that way. Well, Jesus turned the responsibility of getting healed where it should be. He turned the responsibility to Peter. So, wow. He turned it to Peter. He said, you and I, or here's something I want to share. You and I are responsible for the healing of our own hurt feelings. You see, God cannot heal your hurt feelings without your permission. And someone else, some counselor at the best, cannot talk you through how to deal with those hurt feelings without your willingness to grow toward health and healing. So the decision to get healed and rid of those hurt feelings rests on your shoulders. And all the prayer in the world without willingness to change is futile. Can't run from it, can't get rid of it. Have to determine what's valuable. What about the Bible says that there are just some people you're not going to get along with? You're absolutely right. There are some people, I'm paraphrasing, there are some people, my friend, you don't, but it doesn't say that you have to resent them, have to hate them, be bitter towards them. It means you just don't get along with them. are well quiet tonight so here we go one of the most powerful prayers this is true one of the most powerful prayers amidst suffering was uncovered from the horrors back in the nazi camps and it happened at ravenbrook concentration camp Ravenbrook, of course, was Hitler's creative mind, was built in 1939 as a concentration camp. There were 90,000 women and children that perished, that actually died 90,000. Let me just say this to you, a reckoning day will come, even though that happened way back then. But in a little boy's pocket who perished was a prayer. Corrie Ten Boom, you remember her, wrote The Hiding Place. She suffered in Ravensbrook. But this little boy had a well-soiled piece of paper in his pocket. And someone pulled it out. And this is what it said. Oh, Lord, remember not only the men and women of good will, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all of the suffering 
they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits we have borne because of this suffering, our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown from this trouble that we're in. And when our persecutors came to be judged by you, let all of those fruits that we enjoyed, all of those fruits that have been born by their forgiveness, please forgive them. You know what? If that was your little boy and you survived, it would take you a long, long time to get over that. Grieving and harboring hurt and resentment are totally two different things. So here's what we know when Peter asks, do you love me? Or Jesus asks, do you love me? Each time he called on Peter for an action and a response because love is action. So here's what we know. We must place the situation into proper perspective. I've learned in ministry, I've told you before, give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes Sharon will remind me of that. Give people the benefit of the doubt. They didn't mean to say it like they said it. They're having a bad day. Maybe they were in a fight before they got to me. Maybe they really do like me. And it's not true what they said that they can't stomach me. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Then we must assume our own personal responsibility with what's happened to me and my feelings being hurt, how have I managed it? How have I worked through that? Have I become stronger in my faith? Is my light of testimony become brighter? Have I been able to put it under the blood? The third one, we must forgive. Forgiveness is an action of love. I forgive you. I'll forgive you, but I ain't ever going to forget it. Well, Pastor, deal with that for a moment. Do you truly think people to forget? No, there's a difference. If you've ever been hurt, it will take a significant amount of time once you are forgiven for that hurt not to be in the forefront of your mind and in your heart. But if your will and your desire is to forgive, and your will and desire is to love. It won't be long. And you'll find that which you readily remember now will be shoved back. Way back in the back and will not come to the forefront unless you see something or someone mentions it. And all of a sudden you remember when. We must pursue a positive resolution. We must pursue. That means you, as an individual, has to pursue 
a positive resolution, and the start of the resolution begins in you. It's in you. Starts in you. It's in you. Not like the old farmer working extra hard behind that old mule because he said, he kicked me and I'm never, ever. You might say, well, that's funny. But let me tell you, there's a whole lot of seriousness in the principle of that story in the lives of far too many people. The story that I read that I want to share with you of two friends. They're walking through the desert. And during some point in the journey, they had a disagreement or an argument. How many of you know that sometimes even those are our best friends are going to have an argument or a disagreement from time to time? May, may I see your hand? How many of you know that married couples have an argument or disagreement can we go for one a day how about two a day three a day four a day one a week but they had an argument and one of the friends slapped the other in the face and the one who got slapped was hurt but without saying a word knelt down in the sand and wrote today my best friend slapped me in the face are we good out there they walked on they found an, oa an oasis where they decided we're going to take a bath the one who had been slapped ran but got stuck in the mire around the oasis. And the ground started pulling him down. But the friend who slapped him went over with a helping hand and rescued him and pulled him out. After he recovered from the near-drowning, life-threatening situation, he found a rock or a stone, and he wrote on it, Today my best friend saved my life. Well, the friend who rescued him and the friend who slapped him said, tell me something. After I hurt you, you wrote in the sand, and now you write on a stone. Why? The friend who had been injured and hurt said, when someone hurts us, we should write it down in the sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it away. But when someone does something good for us, we must engrave it in stone where no wind can ever erase it. So we learn to write our hurts in the sand and we carve our blessings on the stone. 
They say it takes a minute to find a special person, an hour to appreciate them, a day to love them, but then an entire life to forgive them. Finally, Jesus said, John, what business and what happens to him is my business, not yours, Peter. Here's what you do. You follow me. One of the things you do when you're plowing behind a mule, mule, you put blinders on. You don't want him looking around. You want him straight ahead. Jesus is saying to Peter, put your blinders on. Leave John. You focus on me. You follow me. If you follow me, I'll give you more of an exciting life than you could ever imagine. Peter had to choose what to do in that moment. After saying, what about John? He had to choose in that moment what to do. And he chose to move forward and to be healed. And I say to you listening online, those of you here, if this message resonates with you, don't pass this one off. Journal it a little bit. Let it seep in. Take a look at your own heart. In Acts, Peter's ministry was stronger than ever. Are your hurt feelings justified? Yep. What happens when hurt feelings remain? You begin to die spiritually. And how are hurt feelings healed? You decide to let it happen. So, Father God, in your name, I thank you for all of your spirit. I thank you for your love. I pray that there'd be an anointing on this message as it eventually it will reach thousands and thousands around the world. I pray it'll resonate in the minds and the hearts of those that they don't listen to a part of it, but they'll listen to the whole so that the words of the message will have the ability to open up a door for potential restoration and healing. I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would learn to believe that we cannot depend on anyone else to bring healing into our heart. There's some things that we just have to let go. There's some things in every relationship that we have to sometimes tolerate. There's just sometimes in every friendship and every fellowship, you take the best of what you have and the rest you just discard it I pray for those in this room I pray Father God that our own heart will become the altar I pray that if we've got sin in our heart God we have the privilege to be able to deal with it and ask for forgiveness I pray for those online right now let strong conviction rest upon all of us For conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit that will identify a need in my life, God, that you, through the Holy Spirit, wants to fix. So help me. Would you stand, everyone? And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ, Christ, who is my strong and mighty tower. 
He is my redeemer. He is the one who died for me. And I call on his name. And I say thank you. Father God, look into my heart. And if there's an evil way in me, I ask you to forgive me. I pray, Father, if I am guilty of some of the things mentioned tonight, you will forgive me. I ask you, by the authority of your word, bring health and healing into my spirit. I want to be a better light in the midst of darkness. And Father, if I should breathe my last breath, I don't want to have anyone in my heart that I haven't forgiven. So here am I. Use my heart and life. I pray for my friends because I know some that needed to hear this message. So God, I will pray for them. And I will believe by faith that you will bring to pass a healing for them too. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we do that? Let me encourage you. If you say, I need prayer or I need to talk to someone, that little commitment card in the pew back in front of you, turn it in. There are the baskets in the back. Ushers will be back there receiving the offering. Or if you're online, you can go online. You can get to us right in the comments section. You'd like a phone call, give us a number, and we'll do our best to follow up with you. Here's the deal. I want everybody to be healthy. Amen? Not just healthy, but healthy in our heart. Because we have a lot of challenges that we're going to need to deal with in moving our country forward, in moving our church forward, and in moving the gospel of Jesus Christ into areas that it has never been. And we're going to need a great, healthy group of people to do it. Amen? Let's just, God bless you and and let the face of Jesus Christ shine upon you. And everybody said, amen. Enjoy this song as you exit. God bless everybody.
Sunday. Have an awesome night, guys. We love you.